We acknowledge that we are on Treaty 6 territory, the gathering grounds of many diverse First Nations, Métis, and Inuit peoples whose footsteps have marked this land and whose presence continues to enrich our vibrant community. Hello, and welcome back to Research Recasted, the knowledge mobilization podcast. I am Megan Miskimen, and I am here with Natalie Smattis. Hello, everyone. And Brooklyn Leschician. Hello. Please join me in welcoming both Brooklyn and Natalie as the new hosts for the upcoming season of Research Recasted. In today's episode, we are joined by Dr. Heather Fitzsimmons-Frey, Travis Hatt, and Robin Ailes. Heather Fitzsimmons-Frey is an Associate Professor of Arts and Cultural Management here at McEwen University. Her research focuses on performance for, by, and with young people. She uses a range of research methodologies and frameworks, including archival research, performance-based inquiry, performance-based historiography, and qualitative research. She began doing research regarding theater for the early years demographic as scholar-in-residence for the WE Festival in Toronto. And her most recent creative project with Elm Tree Theater is the Urban Wildlife Project, which is the one we will be touching on today. Her partners in Elm Tree Theater are also here with us today. Travis Hatt is an assistant professor in the theatre production program and is an active theatrical designer and member of the Associated Designers of Canada. He is also the current chair of the Lighting Design Subcommission for OISTAT, which is the international organization of sonographers, theatre architects, and technicians. Robin Ailes is an assistant professor in the theatre production program who has worked throughout Alberta and Western Canada. She specializes in large wearable prop construction and works with a wide range of materials. Hello to the three of you, and thank you so much for joining us here today on the show. Hi. Thanks so much for having us. Hi. So quite a bit to talk about today. Can you tell us, just to start off with, can you just tell us a bit about this Urban Wildlife Project? Sure, I can start with that. So the Urban Wildlife Project is an immersive theater experience for children ages one to five. And it is an exclusive experience in that only 20 children can participate each time we offer a show. It's about squirrels and chickadees and magpies and jackrabbits or hares. So those are local urban wildlife that children ages one to five would very likely be familiar with. And essentially, children come into a theatrical space that is a designed space with lighting and some remnants of set or just to create a different area, a different experience with sound and video and actors and props and they can be anywhere in the space. They don't have to sit in a particular place or be confined to a particular area. They can wander through the area and interact with the actors and the props and the set and the lighting. We create a kind of a scaffold of special moments that the actors create through song, dance, story, puppet work or object theater. And then we like to say that the children become co-imaginers of possibilities. And so they work together to create something meaningful. So some of those moments are shared for the entire group of 20 children and their adult companions. And sometimes the experiences are really very intimate. They're one-on-one where the actors are engaging directly with the children. And so then they're creating these moments together. One of the things that I think is really exciting about the way that we've got an immersive design experience, which is really beautiful and it's intended to be a really beautiful and rich experience for the children and their adult companions. But one of the really special things is that we've developed ways also for some of the lighting and sound technology to engage with those experiences. And you should talk a little bit about that, Travis. 
Yeah, we've set up um, sort of queues the way we would build in typical theater where this thing happens and we have a queue go. Uh, but we've also got a lot of um, open time for imagination where the technicians can actually respond as, as an actor would. Uh, so we can actually change lights and, and video cues to react to what the children are uh, enjoying or um, connecting with. And the technicians are in the space. Like there's a, a table with the lighting and sound operation right there so they can hear what the children are saying and see what the actors are doing. In most theater, the technicians would be farther away. They can see things at a distance and they can hear things. But the, the, our technicians are right in the space so that they react sometimes to what the children are seeing or saying or wanting to be a part of. We had this really fun moment in their most recent iteration of it in St. Albert, where the actors are playing with the idea of being jackrabbits, and jackrabbits in urban environments have lots of risks that they have to deal with, and so it was all about sound. And so our sound technician for that day was Caitlin, and Caitlin could play with bringing in uh, the sound of maybe a truck backing up, or an owl, or a dog, also brought in a storm later, and... Um, they could really look and see what the actors were doing and what the children were doing to time that in a way that was meaningful for them and what would be really fun for them. One of the things that, that we have is the sound of a hawk, and the children really enjoyed that. So the hawk came back several times so they could, they could hear it. <gasps> oh, we're so scared and run and hide with the actors. <laughs> <laughs> that's really that's really neat. Um, I remember, too, as a kid, we went to a lot of theater productions and sitting there, I was very fidgety, and I just wanted to be up on stage, too. So it's good good motivation, too, for those young children to get involved in the arts and really decide that maybe that's what they want to do someday. What gave you the idea of having an interactive theater? Oh, interactive theater, that came from Heather. <laughs> <laughs> the idea of, of children's rights and, and their desire and ability to be part of artistic events and to have things that are created for them at their level, at a, at a place that they can, can meet yeah, I think we were, well, I guess initially me, but all of us are really interested in creating what we were calling democratic theatrical experiences because in Canada and internationally, those who've signed on to the Declaration of Human Rights of the Child, um, children have the right to artistic experiences that are meaningful for them. But when you're only one to five years old, sometimes it can be hard to communicate that. And often school groups, for example, bring the children there or adult caregivers bring children and children don't really have an opportunity to decide what they're going to get to do. And so we wanted to create an experience where we know that children are being brought to an experience by adults, but then they can experience it in a way that makes sense for them. So they can choose to witness, they can choose to co-create, they can dance, they can sit, they can run, they can crawl into blankets, whatever is really how they want to enjoy and what ends up being meaningful for them in those moments. And we think children deserve something that's meaningful for them right now in the moment, not something that's going to be important for them in the future. Of course, it might be, but something that means something for them now. And for their caregivers, educators, parents, family as well, that they they respond to it too. And they also see their child in a different light sometimes. They come in and they say, oh, it's not a very good day. He's not having a good day. But being in this environment and in this show can totally turn things around. It's a whole new experience for this child. And they respond in ways that their caregivers may not have anticipated. Absolutely. And it's really interesting to see because different children are interested in 
significantly different aspects of the production. And on different days, I think that would be different for them too. We have had a lot of really rich experiences working with the early learning at McEwen or ELM, which is our um, center here on campus. And sometimes children get to come back twice to experience things that we've done. And so we get to see how they respond on different days or when they become more familiar with things. Other children only come one time. And so we get to see how that works and then you know, learn to respond better and create more meaningful work for them in those moments. It's also been really fun for us because over the last few years, we've seen some children grow up from being like two to being like five Mm. and just remembering what they were like. I mean, you wouldn't think we would remember, but even if we only see them once, we have pictures and we have videos. So we've looked at that and and analyzed it and talked about it. And then we see them much later on and go, oh, isn't that interesting how they've changed? (laughs) So that's really fun for us as well. Yeah. Yeah. Or sometimes even brought ideas back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Sometimes the the work is seminal enough for them that they remember something from a year ago. And you usually think, oh, you know, four-year-olds don't remember that. But it was clear to us this time that they did. They they mm-hmm. were all excited by it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I only came into the project last year, so I have less of that overtime experience. But from uh, our first introduction of, of the lighting and sound and video technology last year to this year when Elm came back, there were a few students who walked in the room and just like went because they knew, they, they were like, oh, this place, I've been here. And they were like, oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to hang out there because that was that thing that I enjoyed last time. And it had been a whole year, but it was that instant recognition because it was such a unique space for them. Mm-hmm. I was about to ask, do kids remember when they come again? And you answered my question. So when you guys do this, do you have, um, it, it sounds like you have common themes and it's it's not like always totally different when they come back or is it different? Like, do you find that it's, you switch it up or what? what's the, what's, what's that about? Well, What we've been trying to do is create essentially a performance. So what children have seen before is various iterations and portions of it. Now we feel like we have what I would have to call a production. I don't know. It's it's not like going to a show, but it is like going to a show. Um, So now we sort of have a production, and we've built that over the years with various different smaller pieces. Sometimes we think, yes, that works, and sometimes we have something that we don't think works, so we'll, we'll put that to one side. So really, nobody has seen this particular production more than once, but they may have seen elements of it before. So the first few times we did it, we didn't have lighting and set. We just had sort of props and and sound. And then, then we did a segment where we only had lighting and set and video and props, and then we folded everything together to create a production. Yeah, we have add a lot of opportunity to play with the children and it's a play-based experience and to work in dance and song and music. But last summer, we just focused on the design elements. And so we didn't bring the actors in last time. And, you know, uh, Robin and I and some other people were there animating the space, but really not as actors, not as dancers. And I think that it's fair to say that even with this latest iteration, which is I'm I'm very I'm very pleased with it. I feel like it really works really well and there is a couple of moments near the end that feel like an ending. We bring in a a silk that um 
Well, it starts out with some bunnies where the bunnies are, are playing and a little tiny silk comes in and it becomes winter for the bunnies. And so they can see that and the children are watching that play happen. And then a huge silk gets danced across the space so that winter comes to the whole space and children kind of experience that a bit like a parachute. And so that moment is close to the end just before we have a final fabulous spilling of pine cones all through the space that children can hunt for. So it's really exciting. So those moments happen in that particular order. And a child could expect to experience those particular moments in that order. However, because it's an immersive experience and because they're co-creating, the experience that they have would actually be different every time, even with that same shape of the show. So a child might decide they're really interested in playing with the colored lights or playing with some of the projections. We have these really interesting projections of um, magpies, for example, and children can bring our magpie puppets and play with shadow play within that space. So that's something that they could decide they wanted to do one time. And then next time they might be more interested in working with some of the sound blocks or the scarves or more sensory materials that are, you know, more tactile, I guess. Or they use different things to make shadows as well. Mm -hmm. So there's a wide range of things that you can do within any given sort of, I'll call it a unit, because that's kind of how we think about it. The actors have this sort of order that they go in. So they kind of cue each other and they cue the technicians as well. They just sort of look around the room and say, okay, now it's time to move on. Um, so it's, it's sometimes we spend longer on one portion than we do on another, depending on what the children seem to be interested in and how the show is shaping. It's very relationship-based and relationships between actors and children, between children and materials, between children and design elements, between actors and one another. So it's, it's highly relationship-based work, which is one of the things we've been learning about through this process, how to do that in a democratic, equitable, and effective way. Yeah, it's almost a, a, like a structured improv where the students are bringing in their suggestions, but those suggestions aren't necessarily, hey, I want to do this. It can just be what they're interacting with. And then the actors and the technicians can take the cues off that to start rolling into the next section or stay with this or, or let the show sort of shape itself out. That's really cool. I read your paper and I was interested in play-based learning. What were some of the benefits with this production and play-based learning for the students, for the children? For the children. Yeah. One of the things that we're interested in is creating meaningful and meaning-rich experiences, right? So I guess you could say that by making it play-based, then you could say that it's a benefit to them because they're having an opportunity to wonder and to make meaning through play. And that is a way that children do make meaning and process ideas and think and develop concepts. So I, I kind of don't think about it in terms of of benefits, but I think that it's an opportunity to do that kind of exploratory meaning-making experience. Does that help answer your question? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and one of the other things that we use is we use flight, which is a a not exactly a curriculum, but a well, they call it their early learning curriculum and framework, but it is more. Uh, it's more of a framework. It's for Alberta and it's for early childhood. Uh, some of the people here at at McEwen helped write it. And it talks a lot about children and how they learn and how we should facilitate and what expectations parents and other people should have of early childhood um, education. And one of the things that it talks about is the variety of forms of communication. So it's, there's not just language-based communication. There's also movement-based and... Uh, 
Yeah, object-based, all kinds of things. They call it multimodal literacies in this one. And so children learn to move between dramatic play and uh, maybe thinking about numbers and and uh, ways of sorting different ideas. So we'll see children doing that as well, where they'll be sorting materials or gathering materials, different things like that, which becomes more of a, a math-ish kind of ways of, of communicating. And all of those different values and ways of thinking about how children are making meaning help us to create work that we think is valuable to them, which is pretty fun. They frame children as um, mighty citizens and mighty learners, which I really like. I think that's really great when you position that sort of image of what a child can be. And it focuses on what children are now as opposed to, you know, they will be citizens. It says, no, they are citizens now. Mm -hmm. Children have rights now. They are people now. (laughs) Yeah. And that's what we try to do as theater makers is create something that is for them now as opposed to sit in your seat and learn how to watch this. That's that's not what this is for. What made you decide to do a children's-based production? Well, looking at flight and looking at early learning and understanding that there isn't really anything or there isn't very much here in Canada for children under five, right? This is a this is sort of a newer area of theater and of research. There's much more of it in Europe, in Norway in particular, but in in Germany and and in the Netherlands, there's a, and Scotland is another place that there's there's a major movements in um, it's it's early childhood rights, but early childhood arts as well, that that children have a right to experience all those things, that kind of richness. For a while in Scotland, one of the theater companies called Starcatchers that was doing some really excellent work and research-based work for early learning was getting funded by the government for wellness and health for children because it's really considering the arts as part of that holistic thing of learning. And for families. And for, mm mm-hmm. Exactly. Because they also were thinking about those relationships with families and how that's going to help parents or caregivers. It's kind of exciting. Um, Yeah, I also had an opportunity to see quite a lot of work when I was with the WEE Festival, so I started to get some ideas about things that I was interested in exploring, and I brought here when we came to to Edmonton, to McEwen. And I don't know, Travis, you just love hanging out with kids, right? I've always loved doing uh, theater for young audiences, which is more the, like, 5 to 10 age. Uh, And there's a lot of that in Canada, and I've done a ton of it in my career. Um, so when uh, they had started doing this theater for the younger group and brought me on, I was gung-ho for it. Can I say that you sometimes say it's kind of like doing a baby rave? <laughs> I was going to avoid that term because you didn't like it. Um, yeah, so when we, did, when we did the exploration last year that was mostly just tech based where we didn't really have the story or the actors um we'd set up the the tim ryan theater which is just sort of across the way and down below us with a bunch of silks and we were using moving lights and color changes and video and by the time i finished setting it up i looked up and went my goodness i've built a baby rave um (laughs) so that was a lot of fun and that's jokingly how I still refer to it. Except that it's it's uh, that's sort of an event, but also with these really beautifully designed um, objects that that Robin worked on. So little tiny uh, soft toys that are rabbits and squirrels, crocheted chickadees that can sit on your finger like a puppet. They're so beautiful. Sorry, Robin, but they really are. They're really gorgeous. And then the the magpie puppets are a bit bigger, but they can fly. They can flap their wings. It's so great. The props are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, my 
partner is an elementary school teacher and she came into my office one day and there was a couple of them sitting on the desk and suddenly she was just playing with toys (laughs) on the desk. Uh, It was great. What primarily drove us in many ways is everything had to be washable because, of course, they're they're very small children. And when we were doing this, some of this was COVID. So all of our props are machine washable or or you can wipe them down because of that. Yeah, and the set is literally made of, of like hanging silks and piles of blankets and pillows that all can just be go washed, in the washing yeah. machine. And the silks are actually really great for things like the projections because we'll have like projections of bunnies and things, and the students will actually go and start petting the projection. Yes, and because they can, they it's can a, hit it or, or because it's it a, doesn't matter, right? It's, it's a just soft silk, silk screen. Uh, it's not like like a pull down screen; you can't touch it. It messes it up and everything else. But we specifically went for something that is completely interactable, so the students can actually like pet the projections and things. It's very adorable. But also, we've had children realize that especially at the, when we just did the tech, we had one little girl who realized that you could grab a side of it and ripple it all and make the make the uh, whole projection move. So it's it's interactive in that way. It doesn't it's okay to do that. And sometimes we have to make sure that the caregivers understand that because they're they're worried about them touching things. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah, do that point, guys. That's why you brought them here. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, because in so many places in society, like the pull down screens and things, you're like, you don't touch that. You don't go touch the movie theater screen. Yeah, don't touch the TV. Don't touch the TV. (laughs) But it's it's like, no, you can go and interact with this, and that's kind of the point. But it's but that's what I mean. It's kind of awesome too that you guys can create this space for these kids where it's the one place that they go and you don't hear the parents. Hey, Timmy, stop doing that, and hey, (laughs) stop pulling on that, and don't crinkle that. Like that's it's it's a space, like you said, that they're they're able to just sort of be kids. Yeah. I think that one of the really fun things that we learned this time was a couple of the educators from Elm, who really are research partners with us, talked about how the actors became sensitive to allowing some of the children were actually running through the space and they were okay with that. And then others, you know, settled. We found it really interesting when we were in St. Albert just this month, where we had groups that had early learning centers coming and then also families. And families, sometimes you would bring uh, two adults, like for maybe two children or three children or something like that, like a grandparent and a parent or maybe two parents. And their engagement was really different and really interesting, but also really positive. I felt like we were really able to meet those families and those children where they were at too. It was, it was really interesting. The children, especially the children from Elm, who now know us, come into the space going, hey, I'm here. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, what do you have for me today, Robin? <laughs> That's a good idea. And, and the children that are with families come in and go, oh, what's this? And it takes sometimes it takes them a little longer, but they're very interested and they're, they're very intrigued. And by the end of the time, they're much more physically involved. So at the beginning, they're involved mostly by observing, mm-hmm. which is just as valid uh, an involvement, right? Mm-hmm. Different people look at things differently and different children respond to things differently. But I mean, some of those children come in and they're they're ready to go too. They're They're dancing their way through the beginning. Yeah. But I really think you've hit on something important there. Like, I'm going to rewind to you said something really awesome earlier that that children should have the right to sort of experience things in their own way. And that's a big part of why you guys wanted to do this. And you, you made a good point when you said some kids come in and they're ready to go and some just kind of have to watch and go at their own pace. And you've made it so inclusive for these kids, no matter what kind of kid they are, personality, their comfort levels. They're like, 
it's good if I want to not participate, but it's also okay if I want to. Because, you know, you go into a classroom setting, sit here, learn, do it this way. This is the one way you do it here. Whereas they can come in and uh, your interactive theater and, and sort of, oh, okay, this is some time that I can just do it how I do it. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, you definitely described what we've been working towards. And I think that our actors have worked really hard because it's a very different experience for an actor. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that they were, were learning in this most recent iteration was when children are observing, sometimes they don't want to be approached directly. Yes. So, so they're sort of looking at it and then they'll play beside them to give them the opportunity to join or not join, as opposed to being right in their face and trying to get them to come in. Yeah, like the actors have almost learned that they they can't just it's oh, not absolutely. it's not like a haunted house. Yeah, no, yeah, no <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, um, but understanding. I mean, our actors get a lot of information from flight, but also we've had some research partners from early childhood as well who've been part of that. Margaret McCutcheon and uh, Jamie Leach, who've both been co-researchers with us. And so they give our actors some of that background and they talk about early learning and, and early childhood and how children respond and how to analyze what children are doing as well. So we do a lot of that, like Heather and, and Travis and I do a lot of that post-event. And we try and share some of that with the actors so that they're able to do it at the time. So we, when we're watching the show, we see things and then we talk to them about it later so that in the next show, they have the opportunity to change and adjust. It's a special skill set for actors to come to both being in the moment, which is something that they're very trained to do, but also to be thinking about that relationship kind of outside the moment and trying to wonder about it and thinking about the children's experience and their meeting making. So they're really improvising with the children. They're very, very present, but then they're also thinking about um, the experience as a whole. And that's something I would say driven by play-based work and relationship work that the actors have have learned to develop those skills to do. It's a different skill set than I think they often use when they're doing other kinds of, of theatrical presentations. And, and really, this is why our research partners at Elm are so important to us, because the actors really don't get it until they've had the experience. And we haven't always been able to hire the same actors so that they have that cumulative experience. But in the same time, we've been able to hire different actors so a wider range of actors have had that experience. But that was one of the things that one of the actors we had this time said was, after they had their first experience with the Elms children, they said, oh, oh, you were saying what it would be like, but I really had no idea. (laughs) Yeah, and I think it's also because a lot of the actors come from McEwen, and they're very much trained to be reactionary to the other person they're on stage with, but in those situations, that other person on stage with them is on the same script. Now they've suddenly got children who are on whatever script they want to be on, so they're learning to react to a completely unique experience, not just every time, but every moment to moment. And I think that's very unique for them, but also going to be very enriching for them in their acting future. You mentioned that they often, instead of going by a script, it's lots of improv. Was there a script that was made for this production? I would say that there's a, I keep calling it a scaffold, but there is a, you could call it a script, I guess. 
we don't use a lot of language, but we use some language. So we have two poems that we include in the script. So those have particular placements. I don't know. We drew it out. We do a process which is often referred to as devising or collectively created work. But we have these moments that we shape together that create a bit of a rhythm and a beat so that there is an arc in terms of the children's experience, uh, although it's quite episodic also. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't say there's a plot in any way, shape, or form, or or a script in the way that you might think of, but there's a series of events, and the actors know the order of those events, but the, the length of time of the event might be totally different. The piece takes an hour from top to tail, from an opening where we invite the children in and welcome them in a particular way that was inspired by the work of Julie Labelle and Foolish Operations, and then also by our work with children. So we try to help to settle both the children and the caregivers and their adult companions in a way that kind of readies your your body and your mind to experience a performance. We never know what people have come from. We don't know how challenging it has been for families to get to there. So you want to make everybody feel calm and welcome and relaxed before entering so that the adults also don't bring that kind of negative tension energy into the space. And then we try to familiarize children a little bit with what they're going to be seeing. So reminding them what they already know. So what do you know about chickadees? And bringing that knowledge into the space so that they know that's welcome. And then a little bit of um, kind of physical work to help them to understand that they're also invited to play and to play with their whole selves. So that happens first, then they enter the space, and we've got this series of different um, things that happen. And from that first moment until the very end, when then we just kind of have a free-for-all play thing and we change the lights, it's kind of rainbowy and lovely, that should take about an hour. Um, the devised work part takes about 40 to 45 minutes. But like Robin was saying, it stretches and shrinks to expand and accommodate the interests of the particular people in the space. Why do you think it's crucial for children to experience theater and experience the arts when they're young? I think that part of the arts is exploring different ways of knowing and different ways of expressing what you know or what you want to imagine or what you want to think about. And I think that's a very human need for all of us. I grew up in in very rural nowhere, Ontario, uh, and I didn't experience theater or the arts outside of like television until I was in high school. Uh, so the fact that I found my way into theater is, is crazy. But um, I, I look back at that time and go, I wish I had experienced things like this. And that's, I feel like it's really important for the development of children to experience as much of the world as possible. And art really opens the door of like imagination and, and just fun in a way that other things don't and they can experience life in new and interesting ways and make them just more well-rounded citizens do you guys have any inclination or are you able to tell us sort of um when or how people can access this where can they go to get more info on if this is something they want to maybe look at doing in the future are you ever going to offer it to well, we don't know. <laughs> um, the The way we managed to offer it this time is through the help of the Alberta Foundation for the Arts and the City of St. Albert. Yeah. Um, so it was very affordable and very approachable, and it was great, and it was our chance to actually get a full production happening. Um, it's very recent for us. This was, you know, two weeks ago. <laughs> this happened even 
even maybe only a week ago. I can't even remember anymore. <laughs> but um, we're hoping some other places will be interested in it. Uh, we do have uh, an Elm Tree Theater website and an Instagram and all that kind of stuff. So people Perfect. can look there. Perfect. Yeah, but you guys are going to do it again, obviously. I hope You've, so. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, well, certainly as research, we have a theater company now. We're going to look at some other kinds of productions, some other themes, but we want to stay in the same uh, uh, democratic, cooperative, early childhood vein. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're hoping that urban wildlife gets some legs and we can produce it a couple other places. Um, but we're also already talking about what the next project might look like and what those themes we want to explore next are. Yeah, So we're fantastic. hoping to have, at least I know I am, I'm hoping to have several different productions that we can sort of pull out when there's an opportunity to present. We can have a couple of different offerings. We're so grateful for the support that we get for our research and both through you know, McCune Office of Research Services, and then also through the Alberta Foundation for the Arts, both of those spaces, because you cannot do this kind of work without that kind of support. And yes, they hopefully could get presented at some festivals or different kinds of venues, but we have to wait and see how that will work. But that's our hope. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm hoping to uh, to see a lot more activity come from you guys in the future. I think what you guys are are doing is very innovative, especially for this area, like you said. So that's awesome. Before we wrap up today, was there anything any of you guys wanted to add? Maybe we can take this time to thank anybody we want to thank or... Yeah, I would be happy to do that. And I'd like to start by thanking you for uh, <laughs> inviting us to come and share some of these insights with you. I think it has been a really exciting process for us, and we really, really have learned so much. And um, thanks to the listeners for checking it out, because my goodness, I really feel like this demographic needs beautiful, creative work, and they deserve it. And um, yeah, but I do have some other people more formally to thank. Um, we've received support from McEwen's Faculty of Fine Arts and Communications from the Alberta Foundations for the Arts, City of St. Albert, and McEwen Office of Research Services. We're also really grateful for our research partner, the Early Learning at McEwen, those children, their families, and the educators, and especially to Brittany Amott and Jennifer Sibbald, who are there. Um, we've had support from Margaret McTitian, Jamie Leach and Lee Makovkachuk. And we have a host of research assistants, and I'm going to name them all. Awesome. <laughs> Emma Abbott, Patrick Amiot, Caitlin Argetta, Iris Baguignon, Cameron Bauer, Chike Stelson, Courtney Dewar, Meredith Fitzsimmons Frey, Ayla Gandal, Tanya Giliotti, Jessica Jalbert, Megan Kaus, Cello Ledsma, Grace Mann. Sydney Maziarts, Rain Matkin Salaji, Carling Ryan, Inder Singh, Emily Smith, Aiden Spilla, Savannah Tisachny, and Selena Vipons. Wow, you guys have lots of people working on this. They haven't all worked <laughs> on this at once. Some of them have stayed through the process, like um, Aiden Spilla has been with us for quite a bit, and others have only come a bit, but we've been really grateful to all of their contributions because they've really helped to enrich the process. Having lots of voices involved has made this incredible. That's fabulous. Well, thank you so much for telling us all about this today, you guys, and we really appreciate the conversation. Thanks. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Well, that's all we have for today's episode of Research Recasted. If you want to support this podcast, you can visit Research Recasted on your favorite podcast platform to find new episodes every two weeks. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram at Research Recasted, where you can leave us a like, give us a follow, or send us a message if you have any follow-up questions from today's episode. 
This has been Research Recasted, a knowledge mobilization podcast brought to you by the Office of Research Services and the Faculty of Fine Arts and Communications. Funding for the podcast is partially provided by the Government of Canada through the Research Support Fund. Research Recasted is hosted and produced by Megan Miskimmon, Brooklyn Lischitian, and Natalie Smatis. Music sound design and editing is by Natalie Smatis. Research copy editing and scripting is by Brooklyn Lischitian and Natalie Smatis. And our executive producer is Ray Burry.